Alright, we are back! back. <laughs> Movie Cinema Film 2021 edition. We made it through the apocalypse. Yes. At least the first wave of the apocalypse. Mm-hmm. Who knows what's coming next? Uh, I would love to be stranded in a bunker with only access to movies and nothing access to nothing else. I, I could also do that. Mm-hmm. And food, like water, obviously, but I mean, you know, no other kinds of anything, just movies. I've thought about that with Twitter, how I want to be, like, locked in a room for a year with only Twitter. (laughs) Uh, But that would only be good if everybody else was on the outside, like, tweeting about what was going on in the world. Okay. Because, like, I feel like that's kind of suburban life, is you're just watching what people are tweeting about in the cities and stuff like that, and, like, whatever's trending on the internet among suburban America. Ooh, you know what would be interesting? A movie, kind of like Room, where there's so- someone's been kidnapped and they're trapped inside, like, right at the start of the pandemic. This is copyrighted, by the way. I'm not coming up with this just on the fly. Property of Movie Cinema Film, uh, exactly. LNH Studios, 2021. Yeah, <laughs> Copyright. and we're both Aries, so we'll, f- like, fight you. Anyway. This is true. It's about to be Aries season. Yeah. <laughs> it's coming. <laughs> So, yeah, I don't know. Maybe the kidnapper would be like, I'm just going to keep them here anyway because it's locked down, so whatever. Um, and then maybe they have, like, access to – they couldn't have Twitter because then they would obviously be like, help. But <laughs> maybe they, they get – the guy, like, lets them read the newspaper. And I'm saying it's a guy because, of course, it's a guy. Um, yeah, women don't kidnap like that. Usually not. <laughs> like, <laughs> they kidnap, but not like that. <laughs> right, not like that. Not in that kind of disgusting way. We kidnap in nice ways with pink bows tied around it. So, yeah, I mean, I think we need to develop that. I think so, too. Mm-hmm. Um, and maybe it'll end up at uh, the Oscars in a future year. Oh! <laughs> which... Uh, the nominations of that uh, aforementioned festival was what spurned our uh, bringing back the podcast. <laughs> what a great segue. Yes, we're here to talk about the Oscar nominations and then also the not Oscar nominations that we feel should have been nominated. Yeah. But overall, like, what are your opening thoughts on the nominations? Um, I can't complain. Like, considering uh, how bad the Oscars have been in some years... I uh, really can't complain with these Oscar nominations. I'm totally fine with it. Not a lot of surprises. Uh, obviously, there were some surprises, um, and there were some snubs uh, and whatnot, but there really wasn't that much that took me by surprise. Yeah, I think everything was basically what I assumed. Since uh, everybody has kind of had the same situation with the exception of some people in the middle of nowhere who have had access to theaters um, because their theaters didn't close, everybody was basically watching films at home. So it was like the year that everybody was on the equal playing field, I think, the most. Okay, but I'm shocked right now. There were theaters that never closed? We could see movies if we want to. You want to go to the Williams Center over there? Well, now. It's open. Now, but... You said never closed. Did that happen? Barely closed. There are theaters that were open through a lot of, like, since the summer. Mm Mm-hmm. Like, since after... uh, Like, New Jersey has been relatively open. Like, people in New York City don't understand how open New Jersey has been compared to New York City. Like, New York City's been closed down, basically, right? In a lot of places. Yeah, the theaters, like the Angelica, the smaller theaters and stuff are just starting to come back. 
Yeah, so it's good that they're coming back for award season when they probably have the highest potential of getting people actually out there. Mm-hmm. It's just, uh, I think a lot of people are excited to be out and going into crowds very quickly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The last time I went to the movies was March 11th, 2020, and it was The Way Back, the Ben Affleck mm. bas- basketball movie, which I enjoyed. What was the last time you went? I saw Invisible Man. Um, and I'd say that was probably the week before massive shutdowns because I had AMC, uh, a list, you know, and it's funny because like I was playing chicken with them because they kept saying they were going to start it back up once they (laughs) opened back up. And I was like, are you serious? Like, you're really going to start this up when the first day you guys are allowed back, you're going to make us go and like pay this money. So I just like shut it down being like, oh, I'm going to shut it down, whatever. Like, this is probably going to go on for a while. And then they sent me like this threatening letter, like, you sure you want to do that? Like, you can't get it back for six months. And I like took the bet. And now it's been six months since I canceled. So fuck you, MC. Uh, you, you guys lost that bet. <laughs> That's stupid that you can't get it back until six months later. I mean, what is this? You know, it's not that serious. It's movie theater, but... Yeah. yeah, I'm technically still a member. I recently got an email that said you have until July 23rd or something to decide if you want to keep your membership. Like, we'll automatically charge you in July or not. And uh, I don't know. I hope in July I'll be like, yes, I'm super excited to sit inside multiple times per week with strangers, but I don't think so. Yeah, looking at these uh, virus strains that are coming out, I'm assuming it's going to be a very short time until we're just like, yep, we got the... The Nevada virus, we got the strain from Nevada, we got the South Dakota virus, like, we're just gonna get it from different places, and it's all gonna spread, because everybody's just going on spring break, because the flights are still cheap, because the airlines are going under right now, (laughs) so they're incentivizing people to spread the virus, basically. Well, my friend said that she is trying to go to Florida in the summer and that the prices are astronomical because everyone's like, oh, in the summer, everything's gonna be fine, we're all booking, um, and they're just counting on that. And she was like, I think we're gonna have to cancel our plans because we can't afford the flights. (laughs) I was like, why? I, I I know a lot of people that are going on trips right now, and I probably will, in April, do like, a trip driving somewhere, like one of the closer states, but I'm still not getting on a plane unless I literally, if I had a family member on the other side of the country or something that was dying or something crazy like that, then maybe I would get on a plane. But just to get on a plane for the hell of it, to go have fun, I just can't, I'm just not in that place. I don't understand that place. I think there are also different levels of vacationing too. Like, I think there is vacationing where it's like, oh, I'm going into a hotel room, which is basically the same thing as, like, being in your apartment. Right. And it's like, oh, I'm going to a beach, which is, like, the same thing as, like, going down the street to a park. Mm-hmm. But then it's like some people go to the club when they, like, they're, they're going on vacation during COVID, and I'm just like, okay. all right, so you're doing something totally reckless that you wouldn't even do in your hometown just because you're just like, ah, whatever whatever you know like they let it they let it happen down south why not you know i'm seeing so many videos of just like people on their snapchat stories people on their instagram stories Mm -hmm. just like jesus christ but hopefully like you get vaxxed and then the vaxes work (laughs) that's kind of the hope right now i guess everybody's kind of focusing on that but yeah so the Oscars. Yes, the Oscars <laughs> do have a lot of hope for us um, because we thought it was going to be a bad year in movies, and I think it ended up being a decent year in movies. 
So I was underwhelmed by the majority of 2020 movies that I saw, I think. And I don't know if that's because of my brain is, was just in a different place with the pandemic and the election and everything. Because actually in 2020, I read the least books that I have since I learned to read. <laughs> so <laughs> that is obviously a huge thing because it was harder for me to focus. And I just always was like, oh my God, I have to check the news and things like that. But the few that I really did love, I really loved. So I feel like I do have a few to rave about. But overall, when the nominations came out, I didn't have a huge feeling either way. Like I wasn't I wasn't like, oh, this is horrible, or oh, I'm so happy, I love all these movies. But what I am happy about is the diversity, because there's all kinds of records this year. It's the first time two women have been nominated for Best Director, um, same category, first time two Asians have been nominated in that category. I think Steven Yun is the first Korean man ever to get nominated for Best Actor. The Judas and the Black Messiah is the first movie where the entire production team is black. There's been a lot of black stories nominated, but they always have a white producer somewhere around there. But this is the first time that all an all black production team has been nominated. So that's amazing. But also when these stats come out, I don't know, I try not to be a pessimist, but it always makes me sad because I'm like, oh, I didn't even realize that. That sucks. <laughs> yeah, I think... Uh... I think we're finally getting to some years where uh, we're changing the history so that we can string together some years of like uh, <laughs> good representation so then we don't look back and say, wow, we sucked as a country, <laughs> you know? Mm-hmm. Like, this is how it starts. You know, you get years like this, then this is just a normal year, mm-hmm. you know? Uh, and I think it's important to make sure that the uh, stories keep getting told because that's how you get diversity like across the country because that's a lot of people in the middle of nowhere's connection to cultures Mm -hmm. outside of their whiteness is oftentimes just like watching a movie and being like oh wow like i'm gonna be more open to other cultures because i watched this movie uh about people who ride around in a van and talk to people you know like Mm -hmm. it's just stuff like that that like starts to change the culture if people like watch that and feel positivity from it or see things in it you know Mm -hmm. so should we start with best picture yeah we're gonna start with best picture the meat and potatoes of uh the whole ceremony um yeah Hmm. where where your oscars are eventually gonna end right so this category, I'm really happy that Sound of Metal got in there. You were one of the first people that told me about that movie, and you were absolutely right. It was so good, and it was one of those movies that I would expect. I thought it was going to be one of those movies that everyone loves. Like, everyone in the industry loves this movie. Everyone knows it should be nominated, but no one even expects it to be because the Oscars can be so boring and stuff. So the fact that it actually got in was thrilling to me. Um I didn't think that Minari was, like, a huge surprise or anything that it was in there, but I'm just really happy that it, that it's in there. And then my favorite movie of the last year is Promising Young Woman, so I was so excited to see that in there. And then I think the rest of them, obviously, were just kind of shoo-ins, except The Father is one that everyone's saying is so great, but no one I know has seen it, so I don't have you seen it? I have not seen it. Um, That was definitely my one surprise just by ways of nobody talking about it and not knowing anything about it whatsoever. Um, (laughs) It's not available to stream now at all, so that's why. I think it's going to be available March 26th, I looked up, so. 
Yeah. Um, I, I don't like I do and I don't get the hype of the trial of the Chicago seven. Like, I guess there are some like very, uh, what is the word I can say that's not going to be offensive? There, are, just, I, there are a lot of <laughs> there are a lot of people who have uh, different types of intelligences than me who would think that the trial of the Chicago Seven is a great like movie for our time, um, and I'm glad that uh, that was not the only film from around that time that got nominated. I'm glad that Judas and the Black Messiah got nominated because that would have been such a shame if. The trial of the Chicago Seven was like the Chicago movie from that time. <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, we did an episode where we talked about that movie. I, I don't know when that was. We did probably October, November. That was not that long ago. If you're listening to this in the future, it is March 2021, and I don't remember like almost anything about it. I mean, I know the story because it's a it's a true story, right? But like, I couldn't describe to you much from it I it, to me it was totally and I like Aaron Sorkin I thought the actors were good and everything but I just it completely went one in one ear and out the other like I don't remember it. and I feel like you're right I mean I, of course I don't want to talk down to anyone but I feel like people who don't watch a lot of movies that happen to watch this because it's on Netflix and everything are like that movie was so good and I, I was just like okay because I really don't have I'm arguing with too many people about like please wear your fucking mask like, I don't have the energy to tell someone like please watch something else yeah um also it's part of the netflix mafia now like there's this weird thing where it's like oh all right so now this is what netflix is gonna try to plug and it's gonna get through because it's netflix and everybody works for netflix and netflix gives everyone a paycheck and like you kind of see that with mank where it's just like all right we got these two films that are just very much like they're the netflix picks yep Mm -hmm. netflix has great movies everybody was at home is the father going to be on Netflix? What is the father on? I don't know. Uh, yeah, we don't know what that is yet. Um, but same with, like, Sound of Metal. Like, I am excited about it. Like I said, it was a very cool film. I enjoyed it. I thought it was probably the most, like, complete film of the year, like, from start to finish that, like, felt very put together. Uh, so I'm glad that it got honored because, like, uh I feel like a lot of the other films, they were great films, but they were very, like, choppy and, like, bouncing all over the place. A lot of going through time, a lot of disorientation in the narrative, um, kind of purposeful. Um, But this film just felt like it had me from the beginning to end. But then again, do I want Amazon to win an Oscar? I don't know. I don't think so. (laughs) But... Well, the thing is, I do because... I want them to produce more content that's as good as this movie. So, obviously, I hear what you're saying, but... We just unsubscribed <laughs> from Prime. We Ugh. just we just uh, did the divorce. Cut to my front porch that has, like, five Amazon boxes <laughs> sitting on it right now. Um, yeah, so, I mean, I guess we should touch on Mank because it's the has the highest amount of nominations of any other movie, and it, that kind of makes me sad that that's the headline, you know, Mank leads the Oscar nominations, because I we also did an episode on that, so we're not going to get into it fully. But I am disappointed because I do feel like there were was a lot missing from that movie. It's the David Fincher movie that I probably want to rewatch least. Um, so... <laughs> I, I But my... Uh, my thing about the headlines around Mank is like it's fine 
Like, the fact that it got all those nominations and got the headline right now, it's fine. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think it's going to slowly work its way out of the conversation, like a lot of films that have won in nominations. Really? The last couple of years. I don't think that's been enough the last couple of years to win having the most nominations. Just because I think, like, yes, people do respect, like, oh, yes, a lot of craft people were involved in this, so, like, we should honor this because, like, it is in the top five in a lot of crafts, you know, mm-hmm. because it has David Fincher, who is one of the best crafts people. But uh, I think a lot of these awards are about the stories and about uh, how unique you can be and how original and individualistic you could be Mm -hmm. and i think like there's kind of a difference between the crafts awards where it's like oh who did this the best and i think with a lot of the more artsy like in front of the camera awards and like writer producer director awards it feels like they have to kind of change the game with the actual like content more so yeah as opposed to the craft uh you know what you're saying about the the personal stories and the you know, more character-driven movies and stuff. I would say that my top three personal favorites of this list, number one would be Promising Young Woman, number two would be Sound of Metal, and number three would be Minari. And then the ones I think actually might win are Trial of the Chicago 7, Mank, and Judas and the Black Messiah. I think it's definitely going to be one of those three. I think it's going to be Judas and the Black Messiah just because Ryan Coogler feels like he is very due to win an Oscar, and he is... Justice uh, for Creed. Yeah, exactly. Justice for Creed, Justice for Black Panther. In a year that people are, are, are honoring Chadwick Boseman, I feel like it makes sense for Ryan Coogler to get a producer's award when he's been making some of the best films as a director. Um, and then he helped out Shaka King, who's also a producer of the film, so it's like he would get the win, too. Mm-hmm. Um but I also loved Nomadland. Uh, I feel like it might be losing some steam, maybe. I don't know. But yeah. in the like awards race, but I still thought it was a great film. It didn't hit me as hard as I'd hope it would hit me, but um, I think like knowing that a lot of the people were non-actors makes it feel more real, I think, mm-hmm. than actually watching it. Because sometimes I was like, okay, well, like if you're faking this movie, this feels very... Uh, opportunistic you know (laughs) you're just like swooping in on these people who are struggling yeah but like there was an essence of it where it was like no like we need to hear these stories because like i think a lot of people especially culturally are just like i know why trump is president it's because all of the corruption and he's what we need to like change the country around and it's like this is like a political message that i think like everybody could get behind and be like yeah, like, there aren't really a lot of good jobs, and, like, the jobs are purposely seasonal because every company leaves town every time it gets expensive. And, like, if you lose one of your family members, then all of a sudden you're faced with a burden. And, like, that is something that a lot of people are dealing with. And I think, like, Nomadland, Judas and the Black Messiah, and Promising Young Woman maybe suffers from, like, being a year late maybe and being in COVID times and being like in a time that it's kind of been dominated by black lives matter and stuff like that in the conversation, because like, obviously me too is like a conversation that's been talked about a lot mm-hmm. in uh, Hollywood and stuff like that. Um, 
starting with the Oscars in a lot of ways, starting around those conversations. Mm-hmm. Uh, I definitely want to talk about Promising Young Woman because I'm obsessed with that movie. But... And I also watched it last night fresh. Yes, yes, perfect. Okay, but since we never did a Nomadland episode... Um, oh, yeah, we should I, also talk about Yeah, that. I do want to talk to you about it because I was, I don't want to say disappointed, but I definitely, just like you're saying, I thought it was going to hit me harder, you know? Yeah. And I think I just would have, I love Frances McDormand, but I think I would have preferred the main character to be someone who doesn't have the cushion that she has. She has multiple people asking her to move in with them and everything. Her sister seems to be well off. The door's open at any time. And I understand that, you know, I I understand the point of it. And I love the idea of a free-spirited person who's just like, I can't stay here in one place. I have to go. I understand that. But at the same time, I feel like it just would have been more compelling if this was someone who was like really, truly stuck like her car breaks down and that's it she cannot go home and call her sister there is no sister there's you know what i mean and it's someone who's really on the road with all these other people and has to kind of go to one of the nomads and you know find a way to make it together with them or something like that because they literally don't you know have those options and i know it's not necessarily that movie it it is more of a movie that where it's like some people do just choose to do this and it's not that they're totally broke or something like that they they're on it for the adventure or whatever and i'm glad that they didn't go too far in that direction like i didn't want it to be an eat pray love or anything like that but i don't know what are your thoughts on on that uh i think it was kind of like teetering on like the brink of homelessness which like i think a lot of these people are who, like, get themselves into this, like, kind of drifter lifestyle. Um, like, I do know a lot of people just, like, through film, through doing random gigs, who, like, they do, like, move around a lot. Oh, yeah, I was living in uh, Hawaii last week. Oh, I was living in Florida the other day. Like, mm-hmm. they people are moving around constantly because they realize that, like, oh, there is no such thing as stability. Like, during the housing collapse, like, my parents got evicted. Oh, during 08, like, my parents got fired from their job. Like, people are always feeling this now, you know? Like, that's kind of the shared experience of America is like, oh, uh, my family was affected in one way or another by this economic collapse, you know? Mm -hmm. And then the few people who were lucky are in either a place where they're like, oh, the culture is shifting. Why, why are you guys shifting the culture? Or there's people who were lucky on the other end and they're kind of like, don't understand why people are upset because they had it so good mm-hmm. through these times. So I do think it is good that like, they made the movie more relatable. Like Chloe Zhao could have made it about like somebody who's at their rock bottom more so. And like, I think the teetering towards the rock bottom is kind of what holds the film together. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I just found Sound of Metal so much more compelling because it is kind of similar with, you know, this isn't spoilers, this is like the basis of the movie that he is losing his hearing because he's a metal musician and metal musician. He's a drummer <laughs> and uh, he's in a metal band. And, uh, you know, he does, he lives in a... <coughs> He lives in a van with his girlfriend and he has to sell all of his musical equipment to be able to um, receive some kind of treatment. So that to me was like right away that just grabbed me more than this. And and they don't, in Nomadland, they don't reveal like at the beginning that she has places to fall back on really. That's more of a like 
thing that evolves over time that you start to realize. But um, I really loved the David Strayhart. How do I say his last name? Stray. You know what I'm. Ta- you know what I'm talking about. The supporting actor from Nomadland. Yeah. He's been acting forever. I actually, right before I watched Nomadland, I watched this older movie from the 90s called The River Wild with him and Meryl Streep. Have you seen that? No, I haven't. It's a lot. They just are on the river with their kid, and then Kevin Bacon and this other guy uh, basically are, like, trying to do something bad to them. I don't know, like... They, they have a they've they've just committed this robbery and it's like this crazy movie so when I saw him in this just seeing the difference between like him in a big budget you know movie with big actors and this you know all these technical elements like being on the being on a rushing river all the time and all that kind of stuff and everything that goes into that then to see him almost 30 years later in this incredibly, you know, movie that's a little bit more or a lot more stripped down and less Hollywood and all of that, it just really made me appreciate him as an actor. And I hadn't really appreciated him as an actor before. He was one of those people that I was like, oh, yeah, I know his face, but I didn't really take note of him. So, you know, I would have liked to see him get in there maybe for supporting actor because I felt like I connected more to him, weirdly, I think, than the Francis McDormand character. Yeah, uh, I feel like um, he, yeah, brought it together more and was a more grounded performance. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, the Sound of Metal uh, feels like it's kind of uh, my Shape of Water pick, where I'm going into the Oscars being like, I, I wouldn't be surprised if this won. Like, I feel like enough people would vote for this because it's like, it is a well-rounded film and the craftsman did a good job on it and it's just like yeah that's a film that's good you know people would watch this you know i i would like i mean i would much prefer that to win than um child of the chicago seven or or mank but i don't know i don't see a lot of people voting for it but if i was voting i would vote for promising young woman but um, let's see, what have we not touched on out of all of these? I think we basically <clears throat> touched on all of them. So, best director, we have Thomas Vinterberg for Another Round, which I keep hearing about, but I didn't watch that movie. We watched it um, at the Hump House. Nice. <laughs> and it was, uh, it was very enjoyable. Highly recommend it. I think it's on Hulu now for everybody to access. We paid the money for it because we had heard really good things about it. Um, and it was definitely worth it, worth the watch. We also spent money on Promising Young Woman. Um, I'm just putting this out here that I support international film and women filmmakers. <laughs> and I spend the money and don't illegally pirate um, all of my movies. Um, I do support sometimes. As a woman, I appreciate that sentiment, Jordan. Yeah. I'm, but, like, it's tough to convince people to buy shit because, like, nobody has any money. So, I don't know. I'm trying to, like, just hope that the karma bo- goes back into the world if, like, you spend money on things as opposed to taking the cheap way out. Like, people will spend money on you and then not take the cheap way out on you. But I know that's not how the world works. People will just scam you always. But. Oh my god. I'm, <laughs> I'm not even going to get into it, but people people are trying to scam me all the time. Oh I'm my like, gosh, all the time. Mm. <laughs> I'm like, try a Virgo. It's not going to be me. Anyway. Um, so, I didn't mean that in any kind of disparaging way. I love Virgos, but Virgos are like very sweet. Anyway. Uh, I think the best, dire- like the director nominations were the best 
best director nominations in a very, very long time. Okay. I think, like, obviously a lot of people were upset about Regina King, right? That snub on One Night in Miami. Also, One Night in Miami not getting, like, uh, best picture either was a big snub. You know, this is her first time directing maybe it was just one of those things where people were like ah it's her first time she'll like this movie was great so she'll get in another time definitely if she keeps directing which i have heard that she is planning to do that so we have david fincher obviously he was going to get nominated it's david fincher and there are things to admire about mank i mean like i said if you listen to our episode there are things i like about it but just not compared to the other movies i'm just like "Mm." it's a period place for the wrong period right now (laughs) yeah (laughs) So we have uh, Lee Isaac Chung for Minari, and I mean, I didn't necessarily know that he was going to get in for that, so I'm happy because I do really enjoy Minari, and Chloe Zhao for Nomadland. Anytime a woman gets in, I'm thrilled, even if I'm a little critical of the movie. I I mean, I'm so happy for her, and it's interesting that she next year is going to come out with The Eternals. Like, what a difference in production style, but anyway, we'll so see how that turns out. Also, another reason why there's going to be a lot of money behind her campaign right now to win Best Picture for Nomadland um, right. and also Best Director, which I think she will win. You do? Okay, good point. Ooh, wow. Do you think she's going to get a, You think she's going to get toppled? Well, my thing is just, like, I will not... Even though, you know, I was happy with things like Moonlight winning and all of that, I I still don't really trust the Academy. I still think that there's a lot of, like, people who are just going to be like, David Fincher, yes, like, check, you know? And Really? Wow. Yeah. I'd be very shocked if David Fincher won for this. I mean, I hope not, but, you know, he's won enough, and he is enough, whatever. Um, has he won enough? Has he won Oscars? Ha- well, He hasn't had his best picture he yet. He hasn't won an Oscar before? Yes, he has Social Network. Oh, Social Network. So it's like, I don't know. I mean, I know that that didn't win Best Picture, but he must have won an he won an Oscar for something, right? I don't think so. What? Yeah, oh my god, know. we need to Google it. Because <laughs> I just assumed, but now that you're, now that you're saying that, I'm like, wait, which one did he actually win? Him, him specifically win for? Because I know Social Network. I remember Social Network winning score, right? Trent Reznor. Uh, honestly, like I, I love David Fincher. Me I just too. like I kind of wish he just didn't pick. Like I wish I wish it wasn't this film this year. Like I like the film; it's a good film, but I like it just doesn't feel right. It doesn't feel right. It's like which one of these films is not like the other? Kind of. Yeah. You're just like okay, yeah, cool. Like thank you for making this film. We really need this, but like also. This has a lot to do with intellectual property. So, like, you can fight any argument and say this is the best picture. You know, I could do that if I wanted to. I could say that (laughs) it's also a film about toxic men and their relationships with Hollywood women and shit like that. But Okay, so you're right. He has never never won an Oscar. He was nominated Best Director for Benjamin Button, Social Network, and now Mink. And uh, he has won... Uh, no, actually, I was going to... They have a list of actors who have been nominated for being directed by him, but none of those people have won either. <laughs> so uh, that's so funny. That, that I'm glad that you pointed that out. He did win Best Direction at the BAFTAs for Social Network. He won, he won several Best Director, Critics' Choice Awards, Chicago Film Critics Association, Dallas Film Critics Association. Uh, he's never won a DGA... 
he won Golden Globe, uh, Best Director Golden Globe. So, okay. So you're right. So that just makes me more nervous because now I think that they're going to be like, it's going to be one of those nominations. It's like, look at David Fincher, or one of those wins. Look at David Fincher's body of work. We're going to finally due. give it to he's him. He's due. Oh my gosh. I, I don't I don't think it's he the he's due one. Because like Chloe Zhao has had great films also that haven't gotten respect yet. So I do think it could be her time as well. Well, also it's like the Academy's time to be less uh, racist and sexist and be like women can direct and foreign people can direct. Well, I'm I'm with you. I don't really want her to win because I want Emerald Fennell to win, but I think that the, it's it's much less likely that Emerald will win. Um, even though I think the direction her direction was better. No disrespect to Chloe Zhao, who's actually awesome, but yeah, should we? talk about promising young woman now yeah i think so um so i think we could also move this conversation into like best actress and supporting or best actress too okay yeah we can talk about it for best for sure yeah um because i think that's probably going to be a lot of our promising young woman conversation too yes so i think for all of these movies everything we talk about it should be no spoilers on, if this is the first time you're listening to us, usually when we do our episodes, we talk about the movie for a majority of time without spoilers, and then we announce when we're getting into it. So we'll announce if we decide to go into that territory, but for now, I think just because this is like an overview, we're not going to get too deep. But next one that I have on here is Best Actor. So we have Riz Ahmed. Sound oh, wait, wait. Were we going to talk about Promising Young Woman more? Oh. Well, I'm just going down the list. Like, Right here, like, we have Best Actor. Oh, okay, we're going to go in order. Okay, yeah. okay. Um, I mean, not sure why Best Actor is before Best Actress, but it's another question that I have for the Academy. But It's we'll not even alphabetical. Next. No, it is alphabetical. It is? Oh. Yeah, I think so. Maybe not. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I don't know. No, it is. Um, so this is the Chadwick Boseman Award. <laughs> right, he's going to win. We all know that. But we also had Anthony Hopkins in The Father. Gary Oldman in Mank, Stephen Yun in Minari, and I'm so happy Stephen Yun got in there. I mean, you watch that, you can watch that movie on mute, not just because there's a lot of subtitles, <laughs> but because So of, beautiful. Don't watch it on mute because the score is possibly my favorite thing about the entire movie, but if you were to do that, you could just look at, at Stephen Yun's face and you would be thoroughly entertained and moved. So I'm so happy about that nomination. So many of us thought that he should have gotten in for Burning. But I think he was even better in this movie, so um, that would be... I mean, no, if obviously, like, Chaz Mc, Chadwick Boseman deserves it and everything, but if I had to pick one person to win, I would probably pick Steven Yeun. Although I also really love Riz Ahmed's performance. Yeah, Minari definitely also was a film that does not benefit from the year. Uh, I think if Minari came out, like, a year later, um, it would have probably been more successful in the award season. I think just because of like what you're saying with the Chadwick Boseman momentum, like yeah, Steve Yoon is definitely at a disadvantage. Mm -hmm. But like his performance was amazing. Really? And I think some of the like best uh portrayals of fatherhood that like we have in cinema, like that was just a very uh like the conflicts were just very real and just very grounded. Well, let's, let, like it, let's they earned it. We'll get into Minari then because we haven't done an episode of that, um, and we're clearly both fans. Yeah, no, <laughs> um, I I definitely when I saw that that was my favorite film of the year. Um, 
And I think like it's like the not my non flashy favorite mm-hmm. kind of. Is it still your number one? Um, I don't really know what my number one is. I don't know. Like, uh, yeah, like <laughs> I, I, uh, I'll get back to you on that after okay. we after we have our full conversation. But no, I like it's up there. Right. It's up there. Yeah, I, uh, yeah, I like it a lot. This movie made me cry, uh, probably more than any other, like, the the last ten minutes. I was very, very moved. And, oh, because when I was watching it, I was like, this is beautiful, but, like, I'm not, I'm not, sh- you know, about to text everyone I know and say, you have to watch Minari. But to me, the ending, which I won't reveal, obviously, like, just tied everything together in just the most beautiful way, which is ironic to say because it, it it's not like for the family it's not you know tying everything up with a nice little bow and and having this happy ending but just the like his character just the determination to get that american dream and to make this better life for his family and he's so convinced it's like farming (laughs) this is my thing this is gonna you know and it's just so interesting and you could have another it's like almost like another version of marriage story in a weird way because you could have a conversation about how like I don't know how long they had been married. I don't know if they specifically say. They do talk about, like, oh, remember when we got married? But, you know, she loves him so deeply that even though she's, like, complaining the whole time and she's like, look at this place that we live. I don't want to live here. I can't do this anymore. You know, she doesn't really understand his passion. And she doesn't necessarily agree that this is what's going to make the perfect life for their family. Or I don't even know if he's striving for perfection. I think he's just kind of like, I want to be comfortable and safe and everything. Um, <clears throat> and make sure my my family is provided for. But she loves him so deeply that she just keeps going anyway because it's like she might not... It's just a beautiful statement about love and marriage. Like you might not understand what the other person is doing. You know, you might marry someone with an entire understanding of them or what you think and then as they grow and evolve and have new dreams and new things that happen a lot of people just bail because they're like oh we grew apart you know and it's like I'm not saying you can't do that I'm not saying don't get divorced under any circumstances but I think it's really beautiful the way that especially the way that the actress portrays the entire thing. I mean, she, too, like, the two of them, and all the shots of the two of them, like, with one of them in the foreground and one of them in the background, and they're not looking at each other. Uh, unbelievable. Like, so, so, so good and so powerful. And, of course, like, I, I everyone always talks about the little boy and the grandma and, and all that kind of stuff, and, and that, to me, is, is you know, great also. But the the couple and thinking about just family and marriage and all that stuff was really what got me and the score is so good yeah the once we strapped in for this film it was just pure just enjoyment Mm -hmm. and just like living out through this family Mm uh just like the lifeline of a family like the timeline of starting a family and like moving to a new place which like i think a lot of people i know for the most part don't like go super far away or anything like a lot of people live around where their parents lived uh generally but i think there is something about like oh there's no opportunity here guess we have to go be inventive and go somewhere else which like also nomadland had as a theme um but it was just so nice to just watch a family and like get this 
get connected to a family. Like it felt like reading a novel watching this movie more so than any other film I watched this year. It felt like I was watching an interaction between characters that just got deeper and deeper as we went along and just watching the kids grow up in front of our eyes a little bit. So what did you think of the lack of racism? Because that seemed to be on purpose to me because I feel like, you know, it was the 80s. And even now, I think that there would be a certain amount of racism when a Korean family would move to Arkansas. So I was surprised. I mean, it's not just that people were nice. People were extremely nice to them. I mean, like very, very sweet. And it felt to me like that was a very specific choice not to make racism part of this movie. Yeah, I think also like when there is explicit racism portrayed in film, then that becomes a lot of the conversation of the film. So I think part of this was that they were Koreans who assimilated and did what they had to do to like make it kind of and like they still made their Korean vegetables and grew their Korean vegetables Mm -hmm. and like gave their Korean work ethic like to their business you know but uh yeah i don't know i was so touched when the the women they're at church and the women are talking to the mom and she's like oh i'm sorry i don't speak that much english and they're like it's okay honey we'll teach you english don't worry about it i was like i wish that that's what people were like toward non-english speaking people oh my god i i do think there is ebbs and flows of racism too You know, it depends on the wars that we're fighting at the time. You know, if we're not fighting a war against uh, a country that doesn't look white, then usually we're not angry towards that other, like, color of skin, you know, as a collective whiteness country, you know. Like, a lot of it comes down to propaganda and stuff like that. And I think this film shows that, like... Yeah, like, there can be positivity. Like, you could think that people are going to be really racist, but they could be welcoming just because you're hardworking, you know? And, like, that is how a lot of people had to just get by, you know? Even if that's not the right way to look at the world, like, that might be how his family survived when they came to America and moved to Arkansas. And I'm not saying that if anyone's offended, I'm not saying that people in Midwestern and Southern states are always racist, but especially for 40 years ago. And I guess I just, it's not just that it was that they weren't racist, just the fact that they were so overwhelmingly sweet. And I know there's the whole Southern hospitality thing. Like I've been treated like that when I go down to the South, if anyone can't tell I'm white. Um, (laughs) But yeah, I just thought that was very pointed. And I think you're right. It, it, it's good that that didn't become part of the conversation and we have space to talk about other things in this movie because I could easily see certain things that happen in the plot that I won't reveal. I could easily see like problems come up and I easily could have seen them taking the route in the screenplay of like, well, this happened because some racist asshole did this. Um, But that's not the case. And then the last thing I want to say, Will Patton as the cross-carrying <laughs> neighbor slash employee. I mean, he's one of those guys who's just in a million movies, and every time he pops up, I'm like, oh, that guy, like, he's always great. I love him. But I really was... I mean, I was basically transfixed by everyone in this movie, but I just... I mean, just how disheveled he was and how... 
in some ways enigmatic his character was and then in some ways you're like no nah, i know exactly who this guy is you know what i mean it was kind of a blend of that so oh it, yeah yeah just an amazing movie overall just definitely definitely watch that movie but also, also to comment on uh something from before it only had one producer so like really? all of this movie was thrown together with one producer so like their ascent uh i guess like when you make a good enough film and A24 buys it, like you're going to be in the conversation for the Oscars, you know? Yes. Um, but it is still like a very crazy feat when like you look at all these other Best Picture nominees who have like three or four producers minimum uh, on them. One producer and a woman, Christina yes. O. What up, girl? Yeah. So there's a lot of great storylines, you know? It makes it look like Hollywood's diverse. And I think like when you don't have. Uh, normal times Mm -hmm. when only like the richest people can get all the good jobs because you have to get the internships that are free internships that don't get paid and they're in the most expensive cities in the world so you have to have your parents pay for your apartment even in order to do these internships if that is not the way that the world works if we're shooting regionally where like young people live where people in the film industry live as opposed to making them commute, making them work for free for so long. I think that's how the industry changes, you know? And, like, you saw how uh, if money wasn't getting thrown left and right at, like, corporate people who ever could get their face in front of people first, uh, how Hollywood can change a little bit, like, in a year (laughs) where uh, it could have easily become, like, I don't know, a weird year where we were uh, force-fed corporate bullshit because that was the only stuff that was possible. Um, I think it is good that we're shifting a little bit and projects are moving around the country. And I think you're also seeing like the shift of Hollywood moving to Atlanta in a lot of ways, mm-hmm. which makes Hollywood blacker um, than it was in like a very uh, competitive la Mm -hmm. yeah and i think we do (laughs) that had every white person in america sorry that goes out there to be famous yeah i mean i think we have oscar so white to thank partially i mean i think we should really mention that because that i think really intimidated people in the academy and i don't think they just voted because they were afraid of being called racist but i think it really did cause people to look at this a second time and say you know, people claim that they love black entertainers so much. And, you know, why can we only award Denzel Washington? You know what I mean? And and why are there never any black women that are nominated for any kind of technical categories and things like that? Why? You know, it's not just about, okay, Nicole Kidman is nominated again. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's like the technical stuff too is, I mean, and I love Nicole Kidman. She deserves to be nominated a lot. But you know what I'm saying? Just someone like that who's always nominated and always getting in. And it's like there, it's like there's just so many beautiful stories out there if you're willing to actually look for them and pay attention. And right now it's so great because you don't really have to look that deep because some of them are actually nominated this year. Yeah, and I think that is kind of the, how Hollywood operates now uh, is very different than the past because it used to be the major agencies had control over everything. The major studios had control over everything. And like they still do have that much power. But I think all of those uh, powers know that uh, they could get taken down at any point Like if they aren't uh, being diverse and like letting uh, an equal 
uh, stage for different voices come to the table, you know, uh, because that's really who's at fault, you know, because like Joe Schmo on the street who doesn't have any money and just like buys a ticket to whatever comes to his movie theater isn't at fault, you know, it's those uh, studios that don't promote their diverse stuff, their diverse content that they buy at Sundance, you know, mm-hmm. all of these studios had independent wings that were producing kind of diverse content, but then they don't promote it and then it doesn't make money. And then they say that the diverse content didn't make more money because it's a self-fulfilling prophecy that if you keep putting Tom Hanks out there and you keep putting Tom Cruise out there, they'll keep selling tickets because you keep putting them in front of everybody's eyes time and time again. And you don't let anybody else get in front of people's eyes until they're the only person that white America knows, you know, and they don't know anybody else. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, even though I didn't see news of the world, I'm definitely guilty. You know, anytime Tom Hanks breathes, I'm there, but at the same time, I feel like if I tomorrow won a billion dollars in the lottery or something, I would just go around to film schools and not just like NYU and, and CalArts and shit, but like random film schools and that aren't in the news all the time and just go up to a person of color or a woman and be like, hey, you probably aren't going to get a lot of chances in life. And I want to I want to see what you want to make. Like, what do you want to make? And then just give them $20 million. Like, do it. Just go make it because... I mean, I also, obviously, yes, I would donate to people that are dying and people that need clean water and things like that. But this arts is important to me. And I think that these stories are really important. And I think that stories made by people of color and women actually do end up saving lives in the long run or even the short run. If you make a movie and then two years later you're at the Oscars promoting it, it's like some kid in the middle of nowhere who's you know, getting their car windows smashed in because they're one of the only black kids in town might find some hope from it and decide that they don't want to kill themselves. Like, the shit is real. Yeah. Um, so shall we go into best actress in a leading role? Yes. Uh, all right. We had Viola Davis, the titular Ma Rainey, mm-hmm. uh, Andra Day of the United States versus Billie Holiday, uh, Vanessa Kirby of Pieces of a Woman, Frances McDormand of Nomadland and Carrie Mulligan of Promising Young Woman. So I want Carrie Mulligan to win and I will go out into the streets naked with a torch that's on fire because I really want her to win. <laughs> if anyone's interested in that. Uh, so yeah, I I mean, I can't describe the levels to which I was moved by this performance. I'm really curious to see Pieces of a Woman. I haven't watched that yet. Did you? I feel like I started it and we did not like it. Oh. But I'm not sure. I might be wrong. There's that one. And isn't there another one with women in the title that I'm forgetting that I really want to watch? Promising Young Woman, Pieces of a Woman. And then there's one other. You know what I'm talking about? Mm. There definitely is. It's escaping my head right now. Yeah, I'm just I'm. It'll come back to us probably. But... Yeah, I uh, the United States of Billie Holiday is getting such horrible reviews, but honestly, really, yeah, but she did win the Golden Globe, so mm. it might be one of those situations. What What are people saying they don't like about it? Because like I watched it and I didn't hate it. Why are people say Why is it getting bad reviews? Um, just I, because it's like over the top with her drug use and stuff like that, and it just makes her out to be very drug usery. So before I watch a movie, I don't really like read the reviews because I don't want anything spoiled and I don't want my opinion too skewed. 
but like I'll just check out some of the headlines and like check out the score on Letterboxd and I think I was just surprised that there wasn't like I wasn't seeing any praise really. So maybe this is one of those scenarios where people aren't crazy about the movie as a whole but you just cannot deny that this person shined so I don't know how did you feel about her performance? Um, we, like, I fell asleep on it and then, like, picked it up till the end after, and, like, I I thought it was good. Yeah. I thought it was a great performance. I I do think, like, it was over the top in some ways, mm-hmm. like, the film with the drama, I'd say. Like, some of the drama was over the top, but, like, the music and, like, the, oh my gosh, can you believe that somebody who had this song couldn't sing a song? Like, oh my gosh, could you believe that? Like, it does, like, hit you over the head with that. Like, can you believe this? Like, somebody, like, all of you white nationalists who are complaining about free speech right now, like, there's a woman who couldn't sing a song, you know? Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think there is something about that. Um, but I think also people feel a certain way about Lee Daniels also. Right. I like. I feel like there are people who are either Lee Daniels fans or there are people who are not Lee Daniels fans. It's so funny. He's one of those people that really is polarizing because some people still talk about him as if he is a god and someone to be so respected and admired. And then other people are like, ugh, like, what a hack. You know? I, just, <laughs> I don't know. And I'm, I'm, I'm probably somewhere in the middle. He's never been a favorite filmmaker of mine, but I, I think he's a competent filmmaker. I mean, I've enjoyed some of his films, so I don't know. But let's talk about Promising Young Woman. Uh, I... Definitely, it took me a long time to catch on to the tone. So, like, I will say, if you guys are going to be watching this film very soon, like, take your time with it. Like, you're buckling in. It's it's going to be a film. Yeah. Do not read anything. Do not have any prior thoughts going into it. Except <laughs> our at what we're saying right now. We're right. going to say non-spoilery things. Exactly. I But... The reason I'm saying this is because I want people to trust me that I'm not going to, like, say anything that's going to mess up your experience. I went in knowing almost nothing. I just knew that the little parts of the trailer that I had seen and the aesthetic of the movie and the fact that it was directed by a woman and starring Carrie Mulligan. I loved the posters. Like, I loved the title. It was just really compelling to me without even knowing the basic plot of the movie. Like, I did not know what, like, I watched, I don't know what I watched. It wasn't a full trailer. Maybe it was a teaser because I didn't know the basis of the movie, um, which I'm not even going to say, but um, there's something that, you know, Carrie Mulligan's character, um, I don't even know how to say, I don't know how to describe it um, without saying it, but... um, I think what you want to say is this film is going to be very benefited by uh, random viewership and, like, the cult following it's going to get once it's available for free. Yeah. Because I think be- being behind a $20 paywall is very intimidating to a lot of the people who would really enjoy this film because I'm assur- assuming a lot of people who would enjoy this film are sitting alone in their house at night, you know? <laughs> and, like, they just want to watch this film and they're like, oh, I want to watch this film, but then they're like, $20 – I don't want to spend $20 right now. I'd spend $10 for this film. I'd spend $5, but $20 right now by myself is a lot. Yeah. But I, I think the college crowd will stream this nonstop. I think this will become like people who are going to college right now. This is going to become one of their favorite films. I don't know if that's maybe me being out of touch with young people, but like I feel like it is like definitely a great film and definitely a classic film. I I don't know if it 
accomplishes everything full on, but like without Carrie Mulligan, like this film can't hold together just because it's such a tough part to play and it's such an ambitious concept for a film, I think, for the director to take on. Well, this movie to me is more powerful and unforgiving and compelling than I can really describe and definitely in different ways than I've seen before. And there are things in this movie that that are shown um, or maybe just the way that they're presented that I have not seen before. And there were a couple of times in this movie where I literally like gasped and put my hands over my face because, and that barely ever happens to me because I watch so many movies. I've probably said this before that like, you know, it's not that I'm a genius and all knowing person, but it's like when you watch so many movies, you just know what's going to happen. It's just like so many people don't, don't try to push their story to the next level or push their characters to the next level. It's just like, so for lack of a better word, basic. And this movie completely is, is not that I truly didn't know what was going to happen. And it was so unpredictable. And without giving away too many plot details, the movie deals with sexual assault and the trauma that results and not just the trauma on the person that it happens to, but people that love that person and entire establishments around that person and lawyers that had to deal with what happened to that person. And it's just, it, it shows the web of people that you are affecting and hurting and ruining their lives just because you need to feel powerful for a few minutes and and get off. Um, it's insane. So I thought the cast also, um, like I can get so into the plot if we were doing a non-spoiler episode. I actually did that with my friend, um, Timmy, after you listen to this, if you want to hear a three-hour <laughs> conversation I think, like, the first 45 minutes are no spoilers, but then we literally dissect the movie. Um, it's called In the Queen's Thro- Throne Room. Queen with K-W-E-E-N. Um, yeah, so we did an episode on that a few weeks ago. But, so if you want to hear, like, my detailed spoiler thoughts, please listen to that. But the cast is this ensemble, and most of them are famous. Like, most of them are people that you know. But they're not really doing these flashy acting roles. They all kind of have their place in the movie and and have their purpose. And each one is so perfect. My favorite might be Alfred Molina, who plays a lawyer. And his character goes in a different direction than what you might think. His character deals with the situation in a different way than some of the other characters do. Some of the other... um, Like, there are some characters in this movie that their behavior disappoints you to, like to like think about the time in your life that your that your chest and your throat and your heart dropped the most it's like that kind of disappointment that you feel for certain characters and then other characters impress you a little bit and then other characters maybe you're not really sure what what's happening there but since we're talking about this is the best actress category Carrie Mulligan, man. I mean, I think we all know that she's given so many good performances at this point. I feel like people are always talking about, oh, Amy Adams, Amy Adams, Amy Adams. When is she going to get the Oscar? I agree. I love Amy Adams. But Carrie Mulligan is another one that time and time again, she doesn't seem to do these throwaway movies that no one cares about. It's like every single time she's on screen, she's just killing it. And this movie to me was her best performance. Just the look on her face during certain traumatic events 
um, there's a there's a scene where she's looking at a phone, and that's all I'll say. And I just could watch it a billion times. Like if you're at all, like if you're a student of acting at all, you will just fall down after that scene. Like I was just so beyond moved and you're just seeing this person who's like so done like they're just so fed up with the way that people are and and how cruel people are to people that are the most vulnerable people because they've been taken advantage of in such a disgusting like unimaginable way and she's just like like you're witnessing someone whose brain and heart and soul is just like fracturing before your eyes like you you can't save her because she's so traumatized and you know, just just when you may think that things are getting better, they don't. And that's what, that's not a spoiler, like, that's what trauma is. Like, you can be completely fine and feel completely healed and not even be dealing with the same issues that you dealt with as a result of your trauma. And then one day, you just see something or hear something, and it's like, that's why there are trigger warnings now. And I used to think trigger warnings were so stupid. I was like, oh my god, like, the world is not rated PG-13. Like, you're gonna get triggered. Like, you should deal with it. But it's like, that's not fair to people that experience this because if you can make things a little bit easier, even a little bit for people that have been through things like this, then you should. And I just, I mean, again, like I could say so much, but I don't want to give any plot points away. But I will also say just about the look of the film, the entire aesthetic of the film. I think the costumes are so interesting, the way that they transform Carrie Mulligan, but then also just like her character and, and her... Um, just like her natural state, like her daily wardrobe is really interesting because she dresses really girly and there's like a lot of pink and florals and you just wouldn't necessarily expect that. Like without giving anything away, I would think her character would maybe dress differently based on her trauma. Like she might dress like she didn't care anymore. Like she was just broken and her all like, I would think like so much of her energy would be focused on what becomes like her life's mission to try and somehow avenge things that happen, I would think that she probably wouldn't be like that. But the fact that they made her character dress this certain way is so interesting to me. And even like all the set design, her parents' house, it's this like weird, um, it's like this weird girly, old fashioned, like part grandma house, part like trying to be, royalty with like golden fixtures and things like that it's just so interesting like every choice that they made was so obviously pointed and when you have um a a story and characters that are so powerful and so involved I feel like a lot of people sometimes will just like a lot of productions don't put as much thought into those things and this you know completely um it was just like from top to bottom everything about it to me just really worked and that wasn't the case actually when I first watched it I remember I was like so stunned and I didn't know how to feel and I just like had so many different emotions and I didn't immediately put it on my favorites of the year list because I was like I don't know how I feel like I'm feeling so many things that I don't know what I feel but um watching it again and then watching it a third time and thinking about it like I think about it almost every day it just really stuck with me so I hope I didn't just hype it up too much and people are going to be like, what the hell? I'm probably going to watch it again just because I got it on Amazon and they made you buy it. Oh, fuck. Why did I buy it on Amazon? Now, we we, we were either going to buy it from the devil, Amazon, or Apple. (laughs) Uh, But, yeah. Uh, Great film. I think a lot of men should watch this film because I don't think they realize the consequences of their actions and their consequences of 
objectifying women nonstop and how that culture leads to situations like this because kids kids as like the terminology that's used Mm -hmm. a lot in this film like don't understand what's wrong and what's right because of the culture that's in front of them and it takes like adults to explain what the right culture is you know and Mm -hmm. if you're being very sexualizing and aggressive and uh misogynistic like that rubs off on generations and Mm -hmm. that's how we have the people we have right now who are like very terrible men Mm -hmm. yeah yeah and it might seem unsexy to like ask for consent but just do it it's really not that big of a deal because like when i'm talking about the disappointment and stuff it's like every woman knows that feeling and i'm sure a lot of men know it too um because men are men are predatory against other men um that feeling of meeting a guy and no matter how you feel about him whether you think he's a friend for you or you think it might be more um or it is more at the time or whatever every woman has gone through that where you're like you think oh maybe i can feel safe with this one like maybe this one isn't going to scare me and then (laughs) unfortunately that's not the case like that's the that's another thing that this movie just portrays so well and so it it hurts you know (laughs) yeah it really does all right well now we're on to best actor and supporting role interesting category yes the most head-scratching category (laughs) um sacha baron cohen trial of the chicago seven playing an improviser uh shout out an improviser (laughs) uh i'm assuming he's getting more of a borat nomination but everybody assumed chadwick was gonna win so people are just playing the odds with going into supporting actor then we have daniel kaluuya who is the golden globe winner leslie odom jr who a lot of people have been hyping up a lot and like his performance and singing i think uh paul racy and lakeith stanfield your boyfriend yes who uh i did not think was a uh supporting role in this but i guess he kind of is because it's both of their names so that's the judas and the black messiah equally supporting each other and there is no lead they cannot exist without each other that's the thing i keep that everyone's just so the main takeaway is like why is this a supporting nomination but look however you got to get lakeith in there I mean, I'm Nobody sure. cares, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, it just, it needed to happen. I mean, I, I I mean, I don't feel like I need to say anything else because I feel like you are the biggest Lakeith fan in the world, so. No, I just think he's icon level, level actor, so it's, like, good to get him in there right now because mm-hmm. uh, over the next 30 years, he's going to play some of the most iconic roles. So I think it's just, like good for us to be able to uh become more acquainted the uh normie people who watch the oscars can now know who he is more so you know he's not just the guy who's in get out he's in a bunch of great films you know mm-hmm. um and i'm glad that he's breaking out of that and i'm glad that atlanta's coming back soon <laughs> which yes. like everybody just forgot about atlanta because he's been doing so many movies and the press has been surrounding that but he's also one of the most iconic film actors or tv actors i should say he is is. and i'm so happy because honestly i feel like he's the kind of actor that kind of like i was talking about sound of metal that like everyone in the industry knows how great he is but he he's the kind of person i would expect not to get nominated until he was like 50 or something because just because the academy sucks so the fact that he's getting in so early makes me so happy and obviously i mean i think daniel kaluuya is gonna win 
especially because he was already nominated for Get Out, and I think a lot of people were kind of, I mean, a lot of people were pulling for him to win for that one as well. But Paul uh, Racy, I mean, that performance in Sound of Metal, ugh, I mean, I could watch him forever. I mean, it was just so moving, and he was... I mean, it's not that Riz Ahmed wasn't, but he was the beating heart of that movie. I just, ugh. Yeah, it was amazing, his performance. And also, I think uh, he really brought the humanity to the film. Mm -hmm. And, like, I think a lot of people could relate to the being an artist and, like, losing your uh, ability to hear or whatever, but his perspective as like, well, I'm the person who has to take care of all these people who lose this. Like I have to make them feel okay. Mm -hmm. You know, they can't just make it go like that aspect is very rarely, I think talked about and just like the emotional labor also talking about a promising young woman of people's trauma and like going through that and constantly dealing with people who are dealing with loss, Mm -hmm. uh, to truly embody that takes a lot and it takes a toll on people if they're playing it the right way. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I can't imagine, I can't imagine going through what the main character goes through in that movie, and to have the, to have the supporting performance there as someone who's a guiding light, and who's kind of almost like a guardian angel, but not in that sweet, loving way, in a very, look, this is the way that it is. This is what's happening to you. Like, you have to understand that this is happening to you. And and the Riz Ahmed character is just like, nope. <laughs> He's like, I'm not, we're not. And I completely relate to that because I have always been so, I am a performer. I'm a creative person. There's nothing else in the world for me. I don't want to do anything else. I'm not interested. To, you know, not even an option. And if I was losing something, I mean, I'm not a musician, so it probably wouldn't be my hearing, but if I was faced with this, I would, I don't even know what I would do. I would probably want to die. Like, I, honestly. So, that movie just affected me in so many ways, and I love this performance. I don't think it's going to win. I think Daniel Kaluuya is going to win. And then, I think nominating Sasha Baron Cohen, like, he's such a great actor. I know a lot of people hate his performance in Chicago 7. Like I said, I don't remember (laughs) that movie, but I feel like in... Our episode, I maybe said that his performance was great. Because I always think he's great, so I don't know. I really don't remember. I'm sorry, people. But his character wasn't even, like, the real part. Like, it wasn't even, like, the It wasn't focus. even based on the real... Yeah, it's weird. I thought, uh, what's his name? Eddie Redmayne. I thought he was really good. I think, I think a lot of times uh, when people act in multiple films, they get their supporting role... They get their role in the wrong film. Yeah. In their nomination, you know? Also, I guess this is... Did we wait a second? No Jesse Plemons, right? No. Yeah, so that's probably He'll he's probably somebody day. who, yeah, will have his day down the road. And no nominations for I'm thinking of ending things. I'm not really surprised. The the movie seemed like it could win uh awards when we were like, Oh, there's gonna be no films that come out this year. But then once <laughs> they extended the deadline, it kind of seemed like, all right, it's a normal year. Warner Brothers has a big-ass film. Like, big Netflix ass has film. a big-ass film. Amazon has a big-ass film. Hulu has a big-ass film. Mm-hmm. They're all competing against each other. Let's go at it, you know? Yeah. I do look forward to a future repeat viewing of that movie, though. I think about it from time to time. Not as much as Promising Young Woman, but 
still. Anyway, so we have Best Actress in a Supporting Role, and this to me is the category that's kind of like wide the fuck open. Like, I don't know what the hell is going to happen here. So we have Maria Bakalova for Borat, Glenn Close for Hillbilly Elegy, Olivia Coleman for The Father, Amanda Seyfried for Mink, and Yejung Yoon for Minari, who is the grandmother, not the wife. I really, I mean, not that the grandmother wasn't amazing, I really wish that Monica, she played the character of Monica, I really wish that she got some love, because she really blew me away. But, uh, yeah, what are your thoughts? Um, like you, I think it's wide open. I think there is some weird momentum behind Maria Bakalova just because of what she was able to do with Rudy Giuliani. And like, I think a lot of people probably feel like that was her acting to coerce people into doing Mm -hmm. what she wanted. And I think Borat in general and Sasha Baron Cohen has been, uh, an important part of TV and like movie history and like these pranks have been an important part of history, international history, mm-hmm. in a lot of ways, and how America views the world. So uh, maybe not awarding him, but awarding the supporting actress who he lobbied for a lot mm-hmm. and obviously wanted to get this award. Um, because like he's already shown that he could do it, but to have somebody else come in and do it, and also a woman be able to do this because there's not really a lot of women who do I think like that undercover like I'm gonna get one over on you comedy like that's kind of been capitalized on a lot by men uh yeah there's a vulnerability to what she does that's really important and I mean the risks that you take even just like emotionally like you know and holding it together the way that she did and just portraying that (laughs) You know, like, that young girl who just has to be pretty, and that's her focus, and that's what she's all worried about, and what her dad is obsessed with and stuff, and, you know, the scenes with the, um, what was her name, the woman who's now rich because of this movie, or at least, like, there was a GoFundMe. She plays, like, the... Oh, yeah, yeah. What what was (laughs) she? I forget what her name was. But, yeah, I mean, yeah, I mean, I think it's definitely... I don't know. I think it's definitely a possibility that, that she wins. Not... Not absolutely, but it's a possibility. And then I still haven't watched Hillbilly Elegy. When Me I told, neither. <laughs> when I told Jordan that I was going to watch it just out of like morbid curiosity, he was like, I'm not watching it. <laughs> and I was like, okay, I respect that. But I never could really bring myself to turn it on. And, you know, a lot of people are saying that had this nomination not been here, they wouldn't even have thought that she would get nominated, but now since the nomination is there, some people are saying this is who's going to win, because... Fuck no, fuck no. She's not going to win. People are saying this. I mean, this is what I'm hearing. Um, I have not seen the movie, but I'm also hearing that when people say she's gonna win, it's not because they're like, oh, she's, like, the bright light in this movie that sucks. They're saying she sucks in the movie, the movie sucks, the screenplay sucks, there was nothing she really could do, but she's just one of those legacy actresses and that, that she might get it just because people, when you're around in Hollywood for 60 years, people love you and then they just vote for you. So that could happen. I mean, I hope not. But then again, I haven't seen the movie. So I don't really want to say that she sucked in it when I don't know. But that's what other people I've heard. So I think there's also like a lot of like the big momentum kind of like 
Glenn Close and Olivia Coleman have been in everyone's mouth the past couple of years. I think there are people who are tired of Meryl Streep dominating and being like the mm-hmm. queen of she's nominated every year. You know, like there are right. people who represent Glenn Close. who's like Glenn Close deserves this. There are people who represent Olivia Coleman. who's like Olivia Coleman deserves this. Like they do just as much. They work all the time, you know. Mm-hmm. So I think there is an aspect of like, oh, we got to make sure they get in there just so that they're put into the history and like yada yada and they're probably not going to win, you know. Meryl Streep no nomination for Let Them All Talk. Um which I would say is fair. I mean, to me that wasn't like one of her best performances. She's always great obviously, but to me like Glenn Close is awesome and so talented, but like I don't know. I just feel like this nomination is so weird because, yeah, she's getting older, but she's not, like, 85, right? Where it's like, oh, this might be her last chance, you know? Um, so I'm just like, really? Like, we don't think that Glenn Close is going to do any better work in the next few years? No, I think, I think she it's, will. I think it's Ron Howard. He produced the film, so he has to get some kind of consolation prize for the film. And it's like, oh, what's something that we could definitely get nominated for? Uh, Best Supporting Actress. Let's do that. Because, like... People hated this film. Yeah. Like, people said very bad things about this film. Also, like, the novel itself is very... Or the... Is it... It's a novel. It it is a novel, officially. uh, Is very controversial itself, you know? Because, like, a lot of people were like, oh, this is the solution to understand Trump voters. And then there were other people who were just like, why do we need to understand Trump voters? Like, why... why, Like, I don't understand this. We, We have issues, too. Like, why are we just adapting to their issues? Like... <laughs> and like I think that's how a lot of people felt about the film but hopefully it's not fetishizing because we haven't watched it we don't really know I think nobody would be upset if Yoo Jung Yoon won I feel like that would be a great win mm-hmm. uh, it would be a great win I don't think that Olivia Coleman is going to win even though I haven't seen that I just feel like she just recently won and I'm sure she's great in the film but like it's kind of whatever I do think Amanda Seyfried uh, has a chance, my sister. Um, And to me, honestly, like, she is the reason, I mean, I don't want to say the reason to watch Mink, because of course, like you're saying, there's a lot of craftsmanship in that film, and there's a lot of technical things about that film that are great. And I, I love old Hollywood, so I enjoy that part of it. But to me, she, her scenes are the ones where I'm really, like, paying the fuck attention. You know, she really was the best part of the movie for me. I mean, I think if you compare her performance with Gary Oldman's, like, it's not even a, not like, it's not even close. I mean, not that you shouldn't, like, put actors against each other like that when you're playing two completely different people, but I don't know. For me, I do think she has a chance. I mean, it's weird. I think basically, like, I could see any of these people winning except Olivia Colvin. And again, that's not based on talent. It's just based on... I can't Oscar see Glenn politics. Close. I don't think Glenn Close is going to win. I don't think Glenn Close wants her name on this victory. I don't think she, I don't think she wants that. <laughs> it's just so funny that like she won for the wife. She got the wife. No, she didn't. Didn't? Oh, she lost. Olivia Coleman won. Oh, I thought they both won. Oh my god, no. I'm so stupid. Wow. That's wow, I'm name. such a bad host of this. Good host, bad host. Hosted by Tim Barge and Jordan Freed three years ago. No. <laughs> oh. <laughs> Wow. So <laughs> After that stupidity. This is a comedy podcast. Chill out there. It's not a fact podcast. It's a comedy podcast. Everyone relax. All right. Best animated feature film. 
I've actually seen the most of these, I think, out of any other topic. Really? Besides, I've only not seen Onward, I think. I also haven't seen Onward. The only one out of these I've seen is Soul, actually. Word. Well, uh, to give you guys a good summary, Wolfwalkers is great. Um, I don't think it's going to win just because this is America. And just like, I feel like there's going to be a lot of American money behind soul winning. And I feel like soul is pretty much a lock. Soul just like, with, win. like the culture wants soul to win, you know, <laughs> like mm-hmm. that is really where we're at. Like, especially with a lot of people dying in the world. Like, I think there's a lot of merits to putting a film like soul just into the zeitgeist. Cause it's just like, yeah, like this is like the kids film that's about dying and like a lot of kids probably lost their grandparents and parents and stuff through this, you know? Mm-hmm. Uh, and it really makes you think like, what is the purpose of being a human, you know? And like, I think there's a lot of people who definitely got detached from it for whatever reason. Like they didn't like the animation. They didn't like the, the like abstract world that was talked about, but I think kids will like that shit. I um. loved the movie. I, I think Soul is great. Uh, do I think it was like perfect? No, but I found it very moving. I found it very funny. I thought the jokes were genuinely good, especially the Knicks joke. Shout out to New York. Um, Over the Moon also has similar motif. It does deal with death, and it does deal with uh, kind of going into a fantasy world to like deal with uh, loss or a situation. Mm-hmm. Um and I think that that also could be the long shot to upset Disney, but I don't think this is Netflix's year to like upset Disney and animation. No, um, they could definitely play that one year, and like I don't know if splitting happens in the Oscars, like whether Onward and Soul would split, but like I don't think anybody's voting for Onward over Soul necessarily. No. Um, and then Shaun the Sheep, it's just like yeah, we get it, Wallace and Gromit, you. You won your Oscar. Like, (laughs) we love you guys. We love you guys. Keep making them. (laughs) Um, I, like I said, I can't speak on them because I haven't seen them, but I'm, I am happy that Soul's going to win because I did really enjoy the movie. Yeah. All right. Best adapted screenplay. Okay. So Borat's the first one here. Also, how are these all adapted screenplays? (laughs) So apparently Borat is an adapted screenplay because it's based on characters from the first movie. So it is adapted from the first movie. Mm. So that's kind of a shady little loophole thing, I feel like. I don't know if this deserves a screenplay nomination. Is there even a screenplay? I mean, I'm sure there's a treatment. There's an outline, but there's no screenplay. Yeah, uh, this felt very much like it was an improvised film in a lot of ways, but they probably did feed some lines that they wanted to be said, and they did some storylines. Watch Beware the Horn. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Um, The Father, which we still haven't seen, so we can't really talk to it. Nomadland. Which we loved, uh, but also... Will it win? Do we know if it's going to win? I think this is the most likely. But we also have One Night in Miami, Kemp Powers, and The White Tiger, which is Ramin Barani. So I haven't seen The White Tiger. Neither have I, so we can't really talk to it. And I guess that was a blind spot in our watching this year. We should watch The White Tiger. Well, we still have time. We can do, you know, we'll do... It's on Netflix. Oh, it is. Okay. So we'll do an Oscars episode when the Oscars actually happen and then... You know, by then, I usually try to be a completist. I try to see as many as possible that are nominated. So we'll probably have more thoughts for you then. When are the Oscars? April? Something. I don't know. We don't know. Eventually. <laughs> we don't yeah. even know when the Oscars are. This, this, this one does feel kind of wide open. I guess Chloe Zhao is the favorite, right? Yeah. Just yeah. because 
it seems like she might be even drifting away from some of her other wins. Like it could it could be Nomad Land wins everything, or it could be Nomad Land wins like one or two things. I feel like I don't know. I don't know. We will see. Um, April twenty fifth. Word. That's so weird. The Oscars are almost in May. That's so weird. Yeah. Anyway, uh, so next we have... Original screenplay, my personal favorite. Oh, take it away, Jordan. Um, Judas and the Black Messiah, an original screenplay based off of real life. <laughs> Minari, Promising Young Woman, Sound of Metal, and The Trial of the Chicago Seven. I mean, obviously, I want Promising Young Woman to win. And we want to chop off Trial of the Chicago 7 and send it to jail. No! (laughs) (laughs) I mean, I... Look, I'm a fan of Aaron Sorkin. Aaron Sorkin. I really enjoy the way that he writes, and I enjoy most of his work. This movie is forgettable. And I think we can just move on from that. (laughs) Uh, Promising Young Woman, I think, was the most inventive screenplay. So I think it does deserve the crown. I don't know if it'll win. Because, like, also you could see, like, Kenny and Keith Lucas, people who have given a lot to the entertainment industry. Wow, now they're nominated for uh, something like this. Whoa, they could just make a history movie? That's crazy. Who would have thought? Like, I don't know. I feel like they have potential with that. And also Minari is just a great script. And Sound of Metal. (laughs) Great. But um, do we go off of inventiveness? I just, oh, I want Promising a Woman to win this so bad because it's not just, like, the screenplay is a very, very, very important, like, highlight of this movie. It's not one of those things where I'm just like, oh, the whole movie's great, and it's like the screenplay really is a standout, so I guess we'll see. So then we have Best Original Song, and I literally, like... I don't know any of these. I don't know. We these could just songs. skip this one. Uh, we didn't watch Eurovision. That kind of came and went. I think it was a little too uh, tone deaf at the time. <laughs> Maybe people will come back to Eurovision. Wait, is that the one with Rachel McAdams? And I've been meaning to watch that. Will, will Ferrell. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, Speak now, Leslie Odom Jr. In a year that Hamilton came on to streaming. Do you think Leslie Odom Jr. wins for One Night in Miami? Probably. Yeah. I, mean... I feel like people want him to win. Yeah, that that to me is the most likely. So best original score, uh, this is a great category. We have Defy Bloods, Terrence Blanchard, Mank, Trent Reznor, Atticus Ross, Minari, Emile Mosseri, News of the World, James Newton Howard, Soul, Trent Reznor, Atticus Ross, and John Batiste. Shout out to Trent Reznor and Atticus Ross, yep. double nominee. Code for Soul is going to win. This usually Soul's happens. Beautiful. Uh, beautiful soundtrack uh, score, but Minari is my choice. I mean, ugh. Did you see News of the World? No, I did not. Neither. I'm not that compelled to watch it, but I feel like people within the past maybe two weeks or so, I keep hearing more praise for that movie than I have this entire season. So I probably hmm. will get to it. It's Tom Hanks, and I always enjoy him. But what do you think about the Defy Bloods snubs? Um, I don't know if they're all... Sp- Slub, snubs, uh, Delroy Lindo, uh, like that's the one that is probably the closest to a snub, I'd say. Like, I don't know if this is Spike Lee's best movie. It's definitely like back to Spike Lee's like more inaccessible films. Not saying it's like inaccessible to me. Like, I I thought it was 
fine, good. Really? You think it's more inaccessible than his other films? I think that, like, if you're not old, you do not like this film. I, I don't know if that's it. true. I don't know. I think this is definitely for older people. Really? Like, it, it has a lot of, like, old humor in it, I think. But don't not you to be that? ageist. Like, I, I just think it is, like, about, like, older people kind of hanging out. And, like, once again, this is why Chadwick Boseman deserves the best actor this year in his final year also because it's like oh wow he was in this too um right but don't you feel like it's kind of like i get what you're saying obviously it has four guys that were in vietnam at the lead right but i think that it kind of has a sharpness and a and a you know interesting stylistic choices that i feel like a lot of people that are more traditional didn't like and i really like i really liked it I, I, but I feel weird about the stylistic choices also. Like, I feel weird. I feel like they stuck out like a sore thumb sometimes, which is like kind of Spike Lee's thing is like, he'll add something in there that's like crazy that makes you just be like, whoa. Mm -hmm. And then all of a sudden you're back into the story or something like that. But, um, I don't know. Like, I don't know if it was Spike's year, but like, or whether it was the year. Yeah. And I don't know if it's. Did he? Wait, he did, right? He won yeah. an Oscar for that, yeah. Oh. Um, I just think that this film was not maybe the right year, you know? Mm-hmm. Like, maybe it's not the year to talk about war's impact on us, you know? I mm-hmm. think it's probably just the wrong time. Like, maybe if this film was a couple years before, it would have been more relevant. But that's what you have to remember, too. Like, a lot of this is just, like, the culture conversation and, like, who could sell the most tickets to their movie, you know? And that's why people push these films. And Netflix obviously had a lot of other films they were trying to push, and they probably did not push this hard enough if it didn't get nominated. Yeah. I mean, I, you know, he won adapted screenplay for Black Klansman, and I have to say that, like, I'm not even dissing Black Klansman, but, like, I feel like I would rather watch The Defy Bloods, like, three times in a row than watch Black Klansman right now. <laughs> like, and it's a good movie. Like, I, I still think it, I, I just, I don't know. I guess I'm just saying that I think to Five Bloods got snubbed. And I yeah. like, I mean, I think like the most obvious glaring one is Delroy Lindo. So we are moving on to sound. So, um, we have Greyhound. Sound of Metal. Mank. Soul. What is Greyhound again? It's on Apple TV and it's like a boat movie. Okay. <laughs> okay, and then News of the World. So, I mean, Sound of Metal has to win, right? Like, can they please not fuck this up with Mank? Uh, yeah, I, I think Sound of Metal is going to win. Just because it was trying to do something ambitious. Like, you could say Soul creating a universe is pretty cool. Um... And, like, with the jazz elements and, like, the New York City sounds and a time when you can't really go to New York City willy-nilly and just be walking around and hearing people talking, that is, like, an aspect of soul that I think gives it merit. But when it comes down to it, Sound of Metal is probably not going to win a lot of things, if anything. And, like, in They need to win this. Yeah, in a movie about music and a movie about losing your hearing, like, it should be the sound editing here. Mm Mm-hmm. So... So, best costume design, we have Emma, Mank, Ma Rainey's Black Bottom, Mulan, and Pinocchio. Justice for Promising Young Woman. That's what I would vote for costumes. And also, honestly, I... Oh, interesting. I feel like Birds of Prey could have gotten, if they had, you know, if they wanted to have some fun, Birds of Prey could have gotten one. But, um, I don't know, I'm really not passionate about this category at all. I think Ma Rainey will probably 
get it. I don't know. I really like. I I just don't. I There's mean, not. It's not really a tight costume design year. I don't think. I didn't even know a Pinocchio movie came out. By the way. Is it foreign? Maybe it's foreign. It's an Italian movie. Ah. Uh, um. Okay, so we have. Yes, guests. very foreign. So the shorts. I literally have not seen any of these shorts. Um, me neither. I think we should probably just watch them soon. I guess, like, some of them are available to us, but it's not, like, the traditional you could just watch whenever. Yeah, and I don't know if they're gonna have the, um, the thing where they show them all in the theater, you know? Yeah. Maybe. <laughs> yeah, maybe, maybe from home you could do it, but, yeah, we're not gonna really talk about shorts, I guess. If we, we don't, haven't we them. haven't seen any make of them. Sense um. Best Cinematography, Judas and the Black Messiah, Mank. News of the World, Nomadland, Trial of the Chicago 7. So this is actually a very interesting one. Yeah. Because, like, Minari got left off, which is probably the most beautiful film of the year. But I guess Nomadland wins by default because of that. Yeah, I think Nomadland is going to win. I think also there's a chance they could give it to Mank. Um, I wouldn't say Judas and Chicago 7 have a huge chance. And then News of the World I haven't seen. Yeah, the trial of Chicago 7 is kind of a head-scratcher. It's just one of those movies, like, it's just one of those Hollywood royalty movies where people are just, like, I don't know, like, I just feel like there's not a lot of thought sometimes put into it where it's just like, oh, like, let's just, this is just going to get all the nominations. I think also it's a reflection of, like, the movies that that guild watches and that those craftspeople watch. Mm-hmm. You know, which it is probably a heavily male-dominated fi- fil- ugh, field, the camera department field so, also. once again, I have not seen any of the documentaries or documentary shorts. Uh, the documentaries that I watched... My oc- octopus teacher I've seen. And how did you feel about that? It's good. It's interesting. You could watch it on Netflix. Highly recommend. Uh, Time, I think, is on Amazon, and that's just, like, dark. And I think it's like prison stuff. Oh, I really, oh, I've been really meaning to watch that one. That one looks really good to me. Yeah, that could probably win. Although Crip Camp is an Obama-backed film. Mm -hmm. So there is part of that that makes you think Crip Camp might win. I don't know anything about The Mole Agent. I don't know if you know that. No. And same with Collective. I don't really know Collective either. So I guess I'm going to be searching those out soon. I know you probably will too. I'm I like of, Docs. Yeah, me too. And I'm surprised that Dick Johnson is Dead didn't get nominated because I felt that that had so much buzz. And when I watched it, I wasn't blown away. But I, oh my God, is that movie like heartwarming? And did you watch it? Yeah, it was good. I think I think its biggest flaws were just like the whimsical nature of it. Like it felt like it didn't do enough at times compared to some of these other films i think some of these other films were just broadly like taking bigger stabs at things and i think this film was really good dick johnson is dead but Mm -hmm. like it was just about that exercise that she was doing kind of right it's really entertaining though and that that this guy dick johnson is just the sweetest little angel like your heart will just explode and you'll call all the older family members in your family and say i love you so much (laughs) (laughs) Um, okay, so we have film editing, The Father, Nomadland, Promising Young Woman, Sound of Metal, and Trial of the Chicago 7. Um, I mean, once again, I want Promising Young Woman to win, but I could definitely see, I think that Nomadland or Sound of Metal, probably. Nomadland would be crazy, because it's Chloe Zhao. 
the director of the film yeah edited it mm-hmm. so uh i i honestly feel like she might not win because of that but i don't know i don't know whether they would err on the side of she deserves to win or they would err on the side of she doesn't deserve to win because like there is part of me that's like oh she's not even in the union like we're gonna give her an oscar for editing when she's like the director um she's not giving a job to somebody who she could give a job to you know Mm -hmm. which is like sometimes how people in the academy think you know um but i don't know nomadland sound of metal or promising young woman either one of them has great editing i think and Mm -hmm. has like a very stark pace yes i don't know i don't really have like a final i mean i i i I don't know i want to say that nomadland is um the front runner but also interesting that they didn't nominate mank here right very very interesting international feature film i am trash Um, i only saw another round so i haven't seen these everybody just has to see another round and then i'm gonna see collective because that is a doc and then there's a lot of other good stuff there the man who sold his skin tunisia quo vadis aida uh bosnia and herzegonia been better days from hong kong right which um Hong Kong feels like just given coronavirus and also the protest in Hong Kong, I feel like that politically, like I'm going to watch that film. That might be something that could upset another round, but I'm assuming another round's going to win just because everybody's been hyping it. But maybe Collective wins since it was nominated for Best Documentary. Possible. Mm. That That's interesting that they nominated it in both categories. So we have Best Makeup and Hairstyling. Emma, Hillbilly Elegy, Ma Rainey's Black Bottom, Mank, and Pinocchio. Give it to Emma. Give it to Emma. I didn't watch Emma. Did you? I fell asleep on it. Okay. Terribly boring. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I really like Anya Taylor-Joy, though. Um, congrats to her, because she's been winning awards the past month. Um, and looking amazing while doing it. I don't know. Makeup and hairstyling. I mean, it has to be Ma Rainey or Mank, right? Uh, I was thinking, I, I was thinking Emma, wait for hairstyling, makeup, makeup and hairstyling. I, I think Emma could possibly win in that more. So well, maybe not. Know. Never mind. Actually, I feel like Emma's more the costume design winner. Mm. It's a classic costume design winner, right? Like it's, it's, you know, the period drama. Yeah. Um, no, you're right. Maybe. But for actually just, like, if you're not looking at outfits and you're looking say at Ma makeup Rainey, and though. hairstyling, yeah. Um, I would say I I would say Ma Rainey over Mank, just because so much of Mank were just, it's a lot of men, you know? And I feel like, I mean, not that, I don't know, I don't want to say because it's mostly men, but I just feel like men in the 1930s, like, there wasn't that much variation there, whereas, like, Ma Rainey's Black Bottom is more alive to me when it comes to makeup and hair mm-hmm. um yeah production so. design the father ma rainey mink news of the world and tenet what do you think give it to tenet i don't know i still haven't watched that i just can't what do you feel about that movie you watched it right yeah like i think it deserves it it was the highest scale and like the biggest like effects and it didn't uh yeah does does it deserve visual effects or does it deserve production design i don't know uh 
I won't spoil Tenet, but like the phenomenon that Tenet relies on is requires a lot of production design. Okay. The like the only way that Tenet works is through production design and visual effects. You know, so if they're gonna re- reward it for that, they should. You know. But does it work? I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> I just can't watch it. I'm not the biggest Christopher Nolan fan, and like, wow. I just, I just can't. I because even people that love him are like, oh, it's his most perplexing. Like, you know, too many ideas, not enough exploration of them kind of movie and i was so confused and people that normally love him are saying no i was so confused it's like i can't but anyway we have our last category which is visual effects so love and monsters which i have not heard of heard of it but i can't picture it so i don't know about the visual effects the midnight sky i was so disappointed with that movie oh my god i still haven't seen the end because i fell asleep and I was fully intent intending to watch it the next day, and I just never did. <laughs> I love George Clooney, but what the heck? Did you watch it? No, I didn't. It's really not good. I mean, it had so much potential. I feel, but no. <laughs> uh, then we have Mulan. The one did not and only. See. I didn't watch that either. Um, but the one and only Ivan. What is that? I don't know either. Yeah. So then we have Tenet. I mean, that's definitely the front runner. I would say long shot Mulan, but Tenet, I think. They did some crazy things. I don't know how much they actually reward people for crazy things, but yeah, (laughs) Tenet is the craziest uh, special effects that have ever been done, I think, in movies. Ever? I I don't know how they did this shit. You, you, You have to watch the film just to see, like, how they did the special effects. There's a lot of, like, time warps and shit that you're just like, how is this happening? Yeah. I don't know. It definitely takes, like, the twin stuff to the next level. You know, like, a lot of films have experimented with, like, twin special effects and, like, uh, compositing a twin who's not really there or, like, having an actor play themselves to nobody actually being there and they just put it in afterwards. Um, This whole film was like that, so... There's a lot of stuff, yeah. That makes me want to watch it a little bit more. Yeah, no, it's... I, I thought it was a great film. I think it just suffered from, like, the hype train... Right. Um, if it just went into theaters, people would have been like, this is just sick, I'm spending money on it. But instead, people are like, oh, this wasn't worth it. I had to pay for it at home. Oh, why didn't you just let us have it in the theaters? Oh, like everybody's just upset at him. I like the uh that you're adding to that impersonation. It's yeah. And we're, we're getting to the uh, end of our episode, I think. Yes. It's a pretty long episode, but we definitely made it through. Thank you so much for listening, guys. Uh, send us your thoughts at movie cinema film on Instagram. DM us. We want to know: Have we offended you with our shit opinions, or are you <laughs> <laughs> are you excited by them, or what's the situation? Um, we should probably plug Late Night Hump. LNH Studios. You can check us out um, at latenighthump.com slash podcasts for all of our other podcasts. Please subscribe because it just helps us to get uh, more sponsors in the future. Also, we just released Knock, which is our newest short film on our Patreon. So you could subscribe to that at late night hump 
or no, sorry, you can't subscribe at Late Night Hump. You can subscribe at patreon.com slash late night hump. P-A-T-R-E-O-N dot com <laughs> slash late night hump. Patreon.com slash late night hump. Sorry, guys. I have not been sleeping a lot. Very busy. <laughs> yeah, it's almost airy season. There's no sleep. So, yeah, no one humps like you three. And then you also can listen to my podcast, the Ashley and Jessica cast, which is a pop culture nostalgia podcast based on the careers of Ashley and Jessica Simpson and other crazy shit that was happening in the early 2000s. So that's available everywhere podcasts are heard. And we'll see you next time. See you next time. Bye. Bye.